All right, good job. This hearing will come to order. Uh, let me welcome you all to today's full Senate Foreign Relations. Not everyone gives up the gavel that easy, so that's good. <laughs> let me welcome you all to today's full Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing on nominations. I want to thank Senator Cardin and his staff for their co great cooperation in making this happen today. And we have a full pan, a, a great panel of three well-qualified nominees today to serve in Philippines, Malaysia, and Laos all nations that are strategically and economically important to U.S. security and economic interests. I want to thank them and their families as well for their willingness to serve. I've had the opportunity to meet and speak with uh, you privately and appreciate your time today. And it, this is truly a family commitment and sacrifice, and we all greatly appreciate your service to your country and the work that you're doing. I'll reserve my time for questions, and I ask our nominees to keep their opening remarks to no more than five minutes. With that, I turn to Senator Cardin. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you for accommodating this hearing. As you know, we are scheduled to recess this week, and it's been extremely challenging to get hearings scheduled. And I personally want to thank Senator Gardner for going out of his way to arrange for this hearing so we could get these three nominees uh, through the hearing process of a confirmation before recess. And uh, we appreciate it very, very much. I think it's uh, first of all three of your career and we thank you for that, for giving your service on behalf of our country. Uh, it's critically important to our national security and American interests, and we thank you for your public service. But as Senator Gardner said, it's a family uh, sacrifice. So we know that your family is part of the service that has been given to our country, so we thank the family members that are here for their, for their understanding and their support for the missions that each of you have done. Uh, i just make a very brief comment that all three of the countries are very relevant uh, to the matters that have been before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee this week and the trafficking in persons. I can assure you that you're going to get questions in regards to Malaysia and its uh, failure to get to an acceptable level on dealing with trafficking in persons and what our mission will do in order to further our objective to end modern-day slavery. In regards to the Philippines, you couldn't have a more timely follow-up from today's hearings as we talked about the law of the sea decision with China. And with Leo, we have uh, the chair of the, uh, the country that chairs the ASEAN uh, this, this year. So it's uh, three countries that are extremely timely to the hearings we've had this week, but very important to U.S. interests, not only in the Asian Pacific, but globally. I look forward to your testimony, and again, thank you for your appearance. Turn to our nominees. Ambassador Sung Kim is our nominee to the Philippines. He is a career member of the Foreign Service and since 2014 serves as Special Representative for North Korea Policy and Deputy Assistant Secretary in the Bureau of East Asia and Pacific Affairs at Department of State. From 2011 to 2014, he served as U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Korea and from 2008 to 2011 as Special Envoy for the Six Party Talks. Welcome, Ambassador Kim, and please proceed with your testimony. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Cardin, Senator Menendez, I'm deeply honored to appear before you today as the President's nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of the Philippines. I'm grateful to the President and Secretary Kerry for placing their trust in me. And if confirmed, I look forward to working very closely with this committee to strengthen our already strong relationship with the Philippines. I would like to begin by thanking my family and the many friends and colleagues uh, who have been an incredible source of support and inspiration for me throughout my life and career. Uh, some of them are here today. Unfortunately, my wife Jay and our two daughters, Erin and Erica, could not be here today. Erin um, and Erica apparently have something more important to do. Um, they're busy with summer activities overseas, uh, but they assure me that uh, they're watching C-SPAN for the very first time in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> they are very proud and excited about uh, 
the prospect of helping me represent the United States in the Republic of the Philippines. Um, Mr. Chairman, just a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, I had the privilege of representing our country as the first Korean-American U.S. ambassador to Korea. It was incredibly special to return to my country of birth, one of our closest allies as the U.S. ambassador. In fact, my mother, my 86-year-old mother, still cries whenever she thinks about that experience. And now I'm thrilled that if confirmed, uh, I will have the honor of representing our country in the Philippines, our oldest ally in the region, and one of our most special partners. I'm also honored to follow the many distinguished diplomats who have served in Manila. One of them was my mentor and friend, Steve Bosworth. Uh, as you may know, Ambassador Bosworth sadly passed away earlier this year, but I know that he would be very proud that one of his mentees will have an opportunity to build on what he and our other outstanding ambassadors accomplished in the Philippines. The U.S. and the Philippines are longstanding friends, partners, and allies. Indeed, this is a relationship defined and reinforced by deep people-to-people -people ties. There are over four million Filipinos and Filipino-Americans in the United States, and more than 220,000 Americans reside in the Philippines. And together, they help build the bonds that unite and strengthen our two countries. As we mark the 70th anniversary of U.S.-Philippines diplomatic relations, we celebrate our common history of shared sacrifice, values, and interests. We stood together during World War II to fight tyranny and defend democratic values. And since the signing of the Mutual Defense Treaty in 1951, our commitment to the defense of the Philippines has remained ironclad, unwavering, and strong. Earlier this year, our security partnership entered a, an exciting new phase with the implementation of the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement. This important agreement will allow for greater rotational access by U.S. forces in the Philippines. It will also expand the opportunities for bilateral training, and most exciting is support the long-term modernization of Philippines armed forces. Our security cooperation with the Philippines also enhances efforts to combat transnational crime and terrorism. The Philippines armed forces, police, and other law enforcement agencies continue to make progress in fighting violent extremists. They arrest and prosecute members of terrorist groups, including Abu Sayyaf group. We work closely with the Philippines government to ensure that its forces are trained to uphold human rights and the rule of law in the conduct of their law enforcement operations. If confirmed, I will work closely with Philippine President Duterte and his administration to ensure that our security cooperation remains strong and effective. This includes supporting Philippines' efforts to peacefully resolve the South China Sea dispute and we're also helping the Philippines armed forces better monitor the seas off their shores. The U.S. is among the Philippines' top trading partners, and we have traditionally been the Philippines' largest foreign investor. Annual U.S. goods and services trade with the Philippines total over $25 billion. If confirmed, I will continue our economic engagement to support reform efforts and expand trade and investment to the benefit of both countries. Beyond security and trade, we're also partnering with the Philippines on climate change and other many important global challenges. Mr. Chairman, if confirmed, I look forward to leading our great embassy team of over 1,700 Americans and local Filipinos who are working tireless to advance the special partnership between our two countries. I appreciate the opportunity to appear before you today and look forward to your questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Ambassador. Ms. Rena Bitter is our nominee to the Lao People's Democratic Republic, commonly known as Laos. She is a career member of the Foreign Service and since 2013 has served as Consul General at the U.S. Consulate General in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Uh, welcome, Ms. Bitter. Please proceed. 
Thank you, uh, Chairman Gardner, Ranking Member Cardin, and Senator Menendez. Thank you for the opportunity to appear before you as President Obama's nominee to be the ambassador to the Lao People's Democratic Republic. I am deeply honored to be here with you today and grateful to the President and to Secretary Kerry for the confidence they've placed in me. I'm joined by several family members and colleagues, and I'm grateful to the, for the support that they have shown me throughout my career, and also for the kindness you've shown them here today, Senator. Thank you. Today, the U.S.-Lao relationship is at its most dynamic in 40 years. Secretary Kerry has visited Laos once already this year, and he will return later this month. President Obama's September trip will mark the first ever by a sitting U.S. president, and it promises to open new avenues of cooperation and communication in our bilateral relationship. If confirmed, I would look forward to pursuing these opportunities. I have been privileged to serve my country for 22 years as a Foreign Service Officer, most recently as Consul General in Ho Chi Minh City. During my three years there, I saw how much progress two very different nations can make when working together on areas of common interest. If confirmed, I would seek to work with the Lao government and people to find more areas in which our goals align so we can build a broad-based relationship that addresses the challenges of the 21st century. However, for our path toward a 21st century relationship to remain on firm footing, we must continue our work to put the problems of the 20th century behind us. For more than 30 years, humanitarian cooperation, particularly work to ensure the fullest possible accounting for our missing service personnel, and war legacy assistance, particularly the removal of unexploded ordnance, have been at the center of our bilateral relationship. Thanks to your support and the support of your colleagues in Congress, we've invested almost $100 million in conventional weapons destruction programs since 1993, leading to a reduction in casualties from more than 300 per year to fewer than 50 during the last three years. If confirmed, I want to work with you and our partners in Laos to bring the number of casualties down to zero and to close the door on this history for both of our countries. At the same time, we must find ways to invest in the future. Laos's progress and ability to be a strong partner for the United States and a confident member of ASEAN will depend on improving their well-being and economic status of its people. Nutrition-related health problems remain prevalent in Laos, with stunting impacting more than 60% of children in some areas. Through university partnerships, targeted nutritional projects, and school meal programs, our assistance to our Lao partners has sought to improve the nutritional status of women and children to deliver a healthier, fuller future for the people of Laos. If confirmed, Lao economic development will also be a priority. With a consistent 7 to 8% GDP growth rate over the past decade, Laos has one of the fastest growing economies in East Asia. To continue and to expand the benefits of this growth, it will be key for Laos, both individually and within the context of ASEAN, to support education and to facilitate the adoption of a rules-based, high-standard regional economic and trade architecture. If confirmed, I would also seek to prioritize our people-to-people -people ties. Laos has the third highest per capita membership in our Young Southeast Asian Leaders Initiatives, suggesting that the young people of Laos, its future decision makers, are interested in learning more about the American people and American values. With 70% of the Lao population under the age of 30, these youth outreach programs are truly building bridges to the next generation of Lao leaders. However, in spite of these partnerships, we continue to have concerns about Laos's human rights records and restriction on civil society. Currently, Laos places onerous registration requirements on civil society organizations 
leading to the delay or cancellation of many worthwhile projects. In December 2012, civil society leader Sambas Samphone was abducted at a police checkpoint and subsequently disappeared. The Lao government has yet to complete a full investigation. It confirmed I would push for transparency in such investigations and encourage the authorities to brace the vital role that civil society plays in the development of a thriving, prosperous country. Freedom of religion is also a fundamental right, and if confirmed, I will work with the government to ensure the freedom of the Lao people to worship according to their beliefs. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, thank you for this opportunity to appear before you today. I'm happy to answer your questions, and if confirmed, I look forward to working with you to advance U.S. interests in Laos and to welcoming to you to our embassy in Vientiane. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. Uh, our next uh, nominee is Ms. Kamala, Kamala Shirin Lakdir is our nominee to Malaysia. She is a career member of the Foreign Service and from 2011 to 2015 served as the Executive Assistant to the Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs. Ms. Lakdir served as the U.S. Consul General in Belfast, Northern Ireland from 2009 to 2011 and as the Director of the Office of Maritime Southeast Asia from 2007 to 2009 and as the uh, Special Assistant to the Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs from 2005 to 2006. Welcome Ms. Lockdeer and look forward to your comments. Thank you very much. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Cardin and Senator Menendez, it is an honor to appear before you today as the President's nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to Malaysia. I am grateful to the President and Secretary Kerry for the trust they have placed in me. If confirmed, I look forward to working with this committee. I would like to thank my State Department mentors and colleagues, some of whom are here today, who have supported, advised, and educated me during my soon-to-be 25 years in the Foreign Service. I am particularly pleased to appear before you today with two good friends and colleagues. With your permission, Mr. Chairman, I would also like to recognize my brother, who is here today, and my parents, Anne and Noor Lakdir, who are watching in Connecticut. My father was born in Bombay, India in 1925 and came to the United States to attend the University of California, Berkeley through the miracle of a full scholarship. When he moved to New York a few years later, he met my mother, who was there studying for a master's degree in international relations. I am proud that some of my mother's ancestors arrived in Massachusetts and Connecticut in the 1600s and that my father became an American citizen a month after I was born. My parents' lives, interests, and strong belief in American values inspired me to enter the Foreign Service. If I am confirmed, the President and the Senate will entrust me with the responsibility to lead an embassy community of more than 120 Americans from eight U.S. government agencies, their families, and close to 200 locally employed staff. My foremost commitments will be to the security of the embassy personnel and their families, and to the effective pursuit of U.S. national interests. Malaysia has undergone an extraordinary transformation over the past six decades. Its society, economy, and regional and global influence have developed at an amazing pace. Its foreign policy has evolved from establishing pragmatic relations with neighbors to playing an active leadership role in ASEAN, a body it helped to establish. At the same time, the governments of the United States and Malaysia have also deepened and broadened our bilateral cooperation, which President Obama and Prime Minister Najib elevated to a comprehensive partnership just over two years ago. The United States and Malaysia have long-standing trade and investment ties. 
U.S. companies pioneered the electrical and electronics industry in Malaysia in the 1970s, and they remain the largest investor in Malaysia's top earning export sector. Bilateral trade continues to grow, exceeding $46 billion in 2015. If Congress approves the Trans-Pacific Partnership, our economic ties to the region and with Malaysia are expected to further increase and diversify. Malaysia and the United States have also greatly expanded defense and law enforcement cooperation in order to ensure the safety and security of the peoples of both our countries. Malaysia takes very seriously the growing influence of ISIL, as well as the ongoing threat to Malaysian and foreign citizens in eastern Sabah by the Abu Sayyaf group. Bilaterally, with Malaysia and through ASEAN, we are working more closely than ever before to counter violent extremist narratives, to keep our borders and skies safe, and to crack down on transnational crime. If confirmed, I will also support Malaysia's ongoing efforts to reduce tensions in the South China Sea by building global regional consensus and encouraging a peaceful resolution of disputes. The United States remains deeply concerned about human rights, the rule of law, transparency, and governance in Malaysia. Freedom of expression is a cornerstone of representative government, and we look to Malaysia's leaders to live up to the highest democratic standards. If confirmed, I will also be fully dedicated to pressing Malaysia to achieve its commitments to combat trafficking in persons. This includes taking concrete steps to root out forced labor and debt bondage, whether in the domestic, plantation, construction, or manufacturing sectors. This effort is fundamentally a government and law enforcement responsibility, but the Ma Malaysian people and civil society play a critical role. In the last year, Malaysia passed legislation and regulations that, if enforced, support a victim-focused protection regime. If confirmed, I am committed to pressing for the law's effective implementation. For the last six decades, the peoples of the United States and Malaysia have formed close bonds across a range of common concerns. If confirmed, my highest aim will be to sustain and expand these ties in civil society, business, education, public health, environmental protection, and rule of law, among others. In particular, with over 50% of the population under the age of 25, I look forward to engaging Malaysian young people to expand their understanding of the United States, highlight our shared values, and work on solutions to common challenges. Thank you very much for this opportunity to appear before you today. I am pleased to answer your questions. Thank you, Ms. Lockdeer, and I'll begin with questions. Ambassador Kim, to you, you just uh, heard Admiral Blair and Dr. Campbell talk about the very uh, good outcome from the tribunal hearing at the tribunal yesterday, uh, but also would like your opinion on how you see your role uh, working with the Duterte administration in the Philippines, uh, what you believe there in, uh, to, to implement the decision, uh, and what you believe the administration's intentions are in terms of bilateral, possible bilateral negotiations with China uh, in light of this decision. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Um, let me first start by saying I read your and Ranking Member Cardin's statements regarding the decision yesterday, and I found them very compelling. And in fact, I agree with many of the key points that both of you made in those statements. Uh, with regards to my role, I mean, obviously this is, will be one of the most important challenges going forward, and one of the key issues that I will focus on as ambassador if confirmed by your committee. Um, 
the Philippines issued, I thought, it was a straightforward and positive statement regarding the uh, ruling. As you pointed out, Mr. Chairman, this is an important decision and this is an important moment for all of the claimants involved. And I think the Philippines has made very clear, President Duterte himself included, has made very clear that uh, they're committed to pursuing a peaceful resolution of their dispute, uh, to continuing to res act responsibly, consistent with international norms and practices and law. Um, so I think our role and my role should be to support that effort. Uh, in fact, I think this decision gives us a real opportunity for the parties to seek a peaceful resolution uh, according to rule of law, uh, and that's been our consistent position, uh, and I look forward to supporting that efforts. With regards to the possible bilateral negotiation between the Philippines and China, um, I think we have been very clear that we would support bilateral negotiations that are free from undue pressure and coercion. Um, now, some aspects of the South China dispute cannot be resolved bilaterally, but if the Philippines and China decide uh, that they have a way forward in terms of meaningful, productive bilateral negotiations, free from coercion and undue pressure, uh, I think we would support that effort. Thank you, and uh, I'll reserve my questions for uh, the other two nominees. Uh, Senator Cardin. Uh, well, again, thank all three of the nominees. Ambassador Kim, uh, you mentioned the human rights uh, challenges in the Philippines. I appreciate you mentioning that. All three of you mentioned the human rights issues. Uh, in uh, the Philippines, uh, several human rights groups are concerned with the potential rise of extrajudicial killings. Can you tell me what steps uh, you think we need to take to reinforce uh, the Philippines' commitment to the basic uh, core human rights commitments? Thank you very much, sir. Um, human rights has been and will continue to be an important area of cooperation and uh, focus for our relations with the Philippines. Um, we have had concerns about extrajudicial killings, and this is something that I would like to focus on as soon as I arrive in Manila. Part of, the, part of our effort to, to counter any such activity is to make sure that when we cooperate with the Philippines, whether it's in the military or law enforcement, that uh, human rights training um, is an integral part of the, any such effort. And in fact, that has continued for some time. And I think we have seen results of the, such effort, uh, that there has been an improvement in the way law enforcement agencies and the military conduct their business. Uh, but this will continue to be an area of uh, focus for us. Uh, Laos is, uh, is gonna get a presidential visit. That's pretty special. And as you point out, it's historic. Uh, how, what recommendations would you make to the president to leverage his visit to Laos to, adv to advance the rights, human rights in that country. They've had a, a struggle over the years on human rights abusers. They, the government neither prosecutes nor punishes officials who commit human rights abuses. There's continued increased restrictions on civil and political rights, freedom of speech, association, and assembly. So um, if you're writing the paper to the administration as to how the president could help advance our respect for human rights in Laos, what would you suggest? Thank you, Senator Cardin. Um, it's true, the president's visit has, uh, does provide an opportunity for uh, high-level engagement, and it's a unique opportunity to, uh, to advance our ties. Um, in fact, Laos's chairmanship of ASEAN has provided many such opportunities. And um, throughout these engagements, um, our leaders have had the opportunity 
to talk to uh, Laos's leaders about um, these issues, human rights, religious freedom, and to share with them not just our concerns, but also to explain and express that our concerns are not just our concerns, but they're frankly international norms. Um, right now, a civil society in Laos is quite nascent, um, and uh, it, our programming in Laos supports rule of law, it supports media training in general, um, education, and um, going forward, if confirmed, I would do my best to uh, continue to make these points strongly and to um, encourage the Lao to see civil society and fundamental human rights as a very important part of a thriving and prosperous society. Thank you. Uh, Malaysia, I'm not sure where to begin. I'm, I'm gonna have questions for the record for you to answer. And look, um, I very much admire your career. Uh, Malaysia, to me, is a country of major interest in this committee and the United States Senate. The administration has made overtures for a much closer relationship with Malaysia and are asking for congressional support to support that advancement of a relationship. And yet, on so many issues, uh, their activities are so much contrary to our priorities and uh, our values. Uh, I could mention their support and trade with North Korea I could mention corruption, including reports that it goes up to the highest levels of their government. But I'm going to concentrate on one issue for my verbal questions, the rest I'll do for the record, as to what you're going to do in regards to the trafficking issues. It's one of the highest priorities that we have in this country is to end modern day slavery. Last year, in mass graves were discovered of suspected trafficking victims. Very little, I'm being generous by saying very little, I don't think any progress has been made in that country in prosecuting those who are responsible. And the indications are that there are ties to government officials in regards to the trafficking networks, which will require leadership at the governmental level to root out that corruption to hold those people accountable. Impunity is not an option. The U.S. relationship with Malaysia must be more effective in bringing about change. And quite frankly, as the head of our mission in Malaysia, we look to you to provide that independent information to the United States Congress so that we can take appropriate steps here to protect those who have been victimized. So would you just reassure me that if confirmed, you will carry out that important responsibility? Senator Cardin, thank you for asking me that question so I have an opportunity to say this publicly. Um, if I am confirmed, I am committed to um, ensuring that the embassy, the mission, and myself report fairly and fully, robustly, all the facts and all the information that we can develop about uh, trafficking persons in Malaysia, about the migrant communities and the refugee communities, the things that the Malaysian government and civil society are doing and the things that they are not doing. So that is my commitment. Uh, we report to both the State Department. We will also engage with your committee and the committee staff and um, to convey information fairly and transparently. At the same time, I'm also committed to um, being very direct and honest with 
Malaysian government about the concerns that the United States has, about the legal requirements, about their living up to the commitments they've now made by changing their law and regulations to be a victim, uh, a, a regime that puts the victims at the center of protection. I also appreciate that uh, you're speaking out and other senators so that we can use that in Malaysia and say that there is a broad concern across the US government. And that is also very useful um, in the way we do our diplomacy. So I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you for your response. I appreciate it. Senator Menendez. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let me uh, thank all of our nominees for their service to our country already and their willingness to continue in that service. I appreciate it. And Ambassador Kim, uh, I thought, uh, I didn't know you were still going in for another round, so I'm uh, pleased that uh, you're willing to do so. And we're very proud of your work, uh, certainly in Korea and beyond. And um, I look forward. We have. Uh, about 130,000 Filipino Americans, incredibly industrious, successful uh, in New Jersey. So when you get situated on one of your return visits to the United States, I would love to have you engage with them uh, and uh, get an insight as to what's happening in their original homeland. So I look forward to being supportive of you. Um, I want to focus uh, the bulk of my time with Ms. Lockdeer only because of where you're being nominated to. Uh, I appreciate your, your previous service as well. And I want to uh, go a little greater into depth to what uh, Senator Card mentioned. As you may know, this committee held a hearing yesterday on the Trafficking in Persons 2016 report. And other members of the committee and I uh, have asked, given Malaysia's pervasive human trafficking problem and important business that is pending before the Congress related to Malaysia, uh, that the State Department keep us regularly informed about the Malaysian government's ongoing efforts so we don't have to wait until the release of next year's TIP report to get a sense of what is happening. So I heard your response to Senator Cardin, and I assume that if confirmed, you're committed to providing the committee with regular updates on the status of the Malaysian government's efforts to combat trafficking. Is that, is that a correct statement? Um, and I, and I hope uh, that that's a sense of consultation, because I, I know I'd like to tell my friends at the State Department that for me, speaking as one senator, sitting on this committee for a better part of 10 years now, that there's a difference between notification and consultation. Notification when you're just telling me what you're doing. Consultation is when you're engaging in a conversation as to some of these critical issues. So I hope that you'll engage in, and I would say this to all of our nominees, you know, collectively, I hope that what we all engage in is, is consultation, not notification. There is a big fundamental difference. And consultation, even when we disagree, leads to a better result than notification when we have had no consultation along the way. Uh, so I like to say that to all of our nominees when they come before us so they understand at least openly and clearly where at least the senator is coming from. In that regard, uh, I'd like to know whether or not uh, in any of your previous tours with the State Department, uh, have you been engaged in human trafficking or in the TIP report process? So I just would like to start that my first assignment, and this is about what I've seen and the impact that it is on human beings. Um, I was served in Saudi Arabia and I was a consular officer. I mainly took care of American citizen services. But I, we were very small at that time, and so I also did non-immigrant visa interviews. Uh, 
And there were many occasions where domestic workers came and were interviewed. And we often would have to very carefully have private interviews just with that individual. And we would ask sometimes very revealing and difficult questions about their situation. And in some cases, it was heartbreaking. I then went on to serve in Indonesia, which is, of course, a source uh, country. And it is one of the source countries for Malaysia. And uh, so when I, and I served as a political officer, uh, the, the, the trafficking, the TVPA hadn't yet been passed, but some of my work as a young political officer, and because I had come out of Saudi Arabia, involved trying to understand what was happening with recruitment agencies and what was happening in terms of many going. I, I appreciate that, but so, what I was trying to get at, have you ever been part of the actual TIP process where you were in country making recommendations of part of a team as to what the regional bureau was going to take a view on, what the embassy was going to take a view on? I was I, in trafficking in that country. I was not in that. I okay. served in Beijing, but I was not working in this area. Um, my colleagues were, and I was aware of their work. When I served in Belfast, this was not a concern. When you were working with the Undersecretary for Political Affairs, uh, I assume that in some respects you were part of the TIP process. Is that a wrong assumption? So uh, the Undersecretary had uh, what we call special assistance for each of the regional bureaus, and they were deeply involved, uh, and I had supervision over them, but I was less in directly engaged in actually decision-making over the TIP process. So to, to, to be fair about, I would, I'm fully aware of the process, I'm aware of how it works in Washington, and I had a supervisory role, but I was not directly involved in any of the decision-making. Now, there are serious concerns that Malaysia was upgraded to tier two watch list last year and retained this year based on political considerations and not an objective evaluation of Malaysia's actions. Uh, do you believe that Malaysia earned its tier two watch list ranking this year? Or do you agree with many of the members of this committee that they should have been ranked at tier three? Senator, I um, was not involved in this process in the last year. I, I was a, somebody waiting to be a nominee, and therefore I am not allowed, nor was it my role to work on Malaysia. So I was not involved in this process, um, and I, I'm aware of what Secretary Kerry's final decision was because it was a public decision, and I have studied very carefully um, what our TIP colleagues Put forward, I've met with Ambassador Coppage and her staff um, and spoken to them of what their goals are for me when I go to Malaysia. But I cannot, I cannot speak to whether the, what the decision-making was for this Chairman, year. Chairman, I have uh, one more minute. Thank you. Uh, let me ask you this then. <clears throat> Will you commit before the committee uh, to pressing the Malaysian government to undertake a full investigation of the mass graves and holding the perpetrators, including any Malaysian government officials accountable? Yes, I and commit to, to directly saying that to the Malaysian government and pursuing it. Because there have been a Thank few you. prosecutions, but interestingly, none from within the country itself. Let me ask you this, what progress would you reasonably expect to see over the next year in that investigation? How are we gonna judge progress? So I would use the, the laws 
commitment on, on investigations, prosecutions, and, and convictions. Um, and so I would use the law that has been provided in order for how I would present it to the Malaysians and ultimately what the State, State Department's judgment would be. And last question. Oh, you mentioned in your uh, testimony that you're committed to pressing for effective implementation of the legal amendments that a Malaysia has added to its anti-trafficking law that were passed last year. What would you consider to be effective implementation of those amendments? I'm trying to get a sense here. Uh, this is not a gotcha question. I'm trying to get a sense of standards. You know, what is, uh, we had a, <clears throat> a significant uh, part of our session yesterday as chairman was the whole question about, well, what is significant versus not? What is meaningful? Because uh, we can say that you can do anything. You can pass a law, but that doesn't mean very much, as we all know, unless it's actually implemented. Implementation could be just regulatory passage, but not enforcement. Enforcement depends upon degree. I'm trying to, especially in a country in this sense, that has such a a central focus of this committee as it relates to human trafficking. Uh, what, do you, what, we, what would you say is uh, that your recommendation to the State Department and to this committee, Malaysians have effectively implemented the amendments. Uh, how would you describe that? I think it, it would be putting the victims within the center of, of the activity that their protection um, and their identification and protection uh, they're allowing um, traffic, trafficking victims to move and work in Malaysia to providing translation services and um, preparing them for court cases. These are some of the things that are clearly mentioned in this year's TIP report. But I think fundamentally it is looking at individuals who have been trafficked as victims and as people who are due protection and then uh, using their experiences to, to prevent future trafficking. So highlighting that these, these individuals need to be protected and also their cases speak to how you can prevent in the future. Well, I thank you for the answer. <clears throat> I thank the chairman for the courtesy. Uh, needless to say that um, if confirmed, this is gonna be a, a central part of what the committee's interest is gonna be in Malaysia. Not, exclusively, but a significant part. And so we look forward to your aggressive pursuit of these issues. Thank you, Senator. Uh, and uh, Ms. Bitter, just to, to follow up a couple questions from our conversation that we had. Uh, the economic development obviously is critical now and, and what it means to uh, creating a more open political system. I think uh, economic development, additional economic development would add to the openness of the political system there as it has in other places around the globe. So what role can U.S. businesses and U.S. business interaction with Laos help build this economic development opportunity and thus a more open political environment? Um, thank you for the question, Mr. Chairman. Um, yes, um, Laos is um, growing quite rapidly and it's got a very young population, so economic development is very important. Um, from my experience in Vietnam, <clears throat> I saw quite a bit that um, private companies and development of the private sector in Vietnam really did create opportunity for um, a discussion of um, introduction of U.S. values, U.S. work types, U.S. Um, uh, 
just in general, more familiarity and people-to-people -people ties. Um, in Laos now, their economic development and their level of, um, of investment is quite a bit uh, lower. Um, but one thing that is amazing about American companies and one thing that um, we should all be very proud of is that when American companies come to a country, they invest not just in the country but in the people. So um, seeking to create further economic development, further investment by U.S. companies in Laos will certainly um, increase its capacity and increase its level of development. And of course, when you increase development, increase investment, there's opportunity for U.S. exports. It's a little bit longer term. Um, but certainly, Laos would benefit from more U.S. companies doing business there, and uh, the United States would certainly benefit as well. And part of the investment that we can make through Laos through our efforts at the State Department should hopefully open up more opportunities and more space for civil society. Is that uh, something that you see is happening as well? Um, Civil society is, is pretty nascent right now in Laos, and uh, certainly there would be opportunity for um, U.S. companies to support uh, all kinds of development of um, civil society organizations. For example, um, there would be opportunity for companies through their CSR efforts to support women's economic empowerment, for example. That's something that seems um, very likely, and it certainly happened in uh, Vietnam. So using that just as an example, I would say that is a, a way that American companies can certainly help Lao build its capacity and develop. Thank you. And uh, Ms. Lochtier, um, we talked a little bit in the office about uh, radicalization concerns in Malaysia. And uh, how do you assess sort of the quality of the U.S. relationship with Malaysia when it comes to uh, anti-terrorism efforts? Thank you, Senator. And since we met, there have been several additional incidents that are deeply concerning. Uh, my understanding from uh, Embassy KL and from the current ambassador is that uh, our cooperation with the Malaysians has um, very much um, advanced, um, that Malaysia has become very concerned about um, the threats, also concerned about the Abu Sayyaf group and the Solo Sea, and the three countries, Philippines, Indonesia, and uh, Malaysia just announced their commitment to cooperate more robustly together to try to secure that maritime area. Um, the Malaysians also are um, this month opening a um, public diplomacy outreach program with our support to try to change uh, the uh, narratives um, and support for, for uh, extremism. So I think they're working very closely with us. And I think we're sharing a lot more information um, and uh, Malaysia has also taken action against those who wish to go fight in Syria as foreign fighters. So. It's one thing that we have to continue to work with Malaysia is to make sure that they are doing everything they can to counter the threat of terrorism within and, of course, um, their, their terror financing actions. Uh, are, you gonna, are you going to be making that one of your top priorities, if confirmed, uh, to work with Malaysia in terms of terror financing? Yes. I would, and we have a number of agencies within the embassy community that, that has that uh, experience and would work with the Malaysian law enforcement on that. Well, thank you. thank you. And I know that I have some questions that we'll submit for the record as well, in addition to you, Ambassador Kim, some questions as well uh, regarding South China Sea, and uh, I don't know if I can throw one in, the, one in there on uh, North Korea or not, but maybe I will just for old time's sake. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to thank all three of you for being here today. Thank you for your family and your commitment to this. I've got to read some final um, comments.
comments here. Where's my, the, the record will be kept open until the close of business on Friday. Uh, we hope that you will respond to those questions promptly uh, and um, your comments will be made available in the record. Anything else I need to address? Uh, with that, and the thanks to the committee, thank you for your time today.